Hi, I'm Pastor Brian Kiley, and thank you for listening to Bridgeway Christian Church's presentation of Faith and Culture, Women in Ministry. Part of the Faith and Culture series that we do here at Bridgeway is lecture material presented by Pastor Lance, and then we also include testimony from subject area experts. What you're about to hear now is you're going to hear Pastor Lance introduce one of our guest speakers, and then you will hear one of those powerful stories. We invite you to listen, and if anything you hear raises questions for you, please contact us at askask at bridgeway.church. You're in for a treat. Tonight's testimony is coming from the former director of food and beverage for UCLA, a co-creator of the award-winning Marketplace Cafeteria concept, former VP of Disneyland's food and beverage and one of the few initial female executives at Disney. She is the vice president responsible for California Adventures launch. She was the vice president responsible for the launches of Disney theme parks across the world. Now, 21 years later at Disney, she just retired in June as the senior vice president of experience development and integration for Disneyland resorts. Would you welcome to the stage Miss Mary Niven. Good evening. You know, change is complicated. After 45 years in leadership and 21 of those as a senior executive of Disney Parks, I'm very familiar with change. In every one of my leadership roles, my arrival signaled change. From the time I started my career in the mid-1970s until I started with Disney, I was almost always the only woman leader in a room. You know, I could share lots of stories about how I was treated, like the time I talked to a supervisor because I found out that I was making a lot less money than my male counterpart, but I had a lot more experience, and he said, well, of course he's going to get paid more. He has a family to support. Funny thing. I was the sole support of my family at that time. Or the time I asked one of my executives, you know, what do I need to do to focus on my performance so I could be considered for a promotion? And he said, you need to be white, male, Irish. That was going to be tough to work that into my, to my workday life. And then there was a time I was a finalist for this job in a corporate office, and the CEO of the company started out the interview by saying, tell me why you don't feel fulfilled by being a wife and a mother. Yeah, clearly I didn't get that job. Or the time I was told that as a female vice president, I was not to think, I was just to implement. Yeah, those things all happen. But you know, in each of those moments, I always knew I could turn to prayer. I knew God had given me gifts and skills. And I trusted that he had a plan for me. And I just needed to have the wisdom and the courage to use those gifts and skills, even when it was complicated. My faith in Jesus as my personal savior and trust in God's plan for me has led me both in my personal and professional life. But I have to confess, 
that at the same time I've struggled with organized church for most of my adult life. I've continued to attend church, but never felt part of the church community. It's like I just didn't fit. You know, it's one thing not to fit in at work. It's very different feeling to not fit into your church community. I continued going to church, and I belonged to churches for two simple reasons. One, I knew I could not do my Christian walk alone. And two, I wanted to make sure that my children were being nurtured in their faith. And I'm very blessed in that area because both of them have gone on in church service. My daughter is a missionary, my son is, is a pastor. And so, you know, that investment was the right thing to do. But in all my time in the church, very few times do the examples in the sermons relate to my experiences as a woman, as a mother, as a professional. Small groups, community groups in the churches that I belong to, for my age group were almost always around couples, and I was the odd man out. Or women's ministry sessions that were always scheduled midweek in the morning when I worked. You know, when I once sought guidance from a senior pastor, and he suggested a small group call, uh, called uh, Quiet Spirits. It was a group of widows. And I went to one of the sessions, and it felt like the sole purpose of the group was to discuss why we needed to accept that we were the outliers of the church community. And by the way, no one has ever referred to me as a quiet spirit. <laughs> After retiring this summer, I relocated to Santa Cruz, and so once again, I'm in a search for my church community. It should be a time of excitement, but it's been one of dread. Something I need to do, not want to do. The change that you're talking about here is really, really important. Because there are missing voices and perspectives that can create an even more inclusive, supportive Christian community for its current members and for potential members and can unlock tremendous, tremendous power in the world of our Christian church. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this change and what it means for your community and what are the learnings that I've had over the last 45 years that I wish somebody would have shared with me way back when. One of the things that I've learned that if you're going to address a big change, you first need to understand if the change impacts the heritage or traditions and those are two very different things of an organization. I always think that heritage is the DNA. It's your core beliefs, right? That can never change. But traditions are practices. And even if those practices have gone on for a very long time, practices can evolve. Practices can change. As long as those practices don't have a negative impact on the core beliefs, the DNA, the heritage of an organization. And I think this is one of the things that's come out in the last four weeks as Pastor Lance has made his case for this change. For the women who 
have the calling and the gifts and are chosen to preach and lead in this church, a couple pieces of advice. First of all, you aren't just being given a seat at the table. You're being given a voice. You have to use that voice. Your perspectives, your experience, your willingness to courageously ask the question that nobody else asks or have a different perspective that you share is so important. On the other hand, it's not all about you, right? You can't go into this with a personal agenda. The word is the word. It is your unique experiences and insight that have tremendous value and impact. You know, you need to be an advocate of all voices. You understand what it's like to not have a voice. Be an advocate not just for your ideas, but for all the voices in the room, even with those people who don't agree with you, and most importantly, for those people who do not support you in leadership. Be an advocate for them to have their voice as well. You know, when I started Disneyland as a vice president, it was like, I thought, I'm finally, I've got a seat at the table. I can't wait. I've got, I've got big ideas. I've got lots of ideas. And we were in meetings and like, I was the first one to talk up on every topic because I had a perspective to share. And a very wise mentor took me aside and said, okay, you got a voice. You got a seat at the table. You can relax now. You don't have to be the first person to speak on every topic. Your voice will have more power if it's grounded in knowledge first. Others will see that you are an advocate for all voices if you allow somebody else to speak once in a while, right? Seek to understand first. Listen, you know, not all women are suddenly going to be given the gifts or the calling to teach from the pulpit. But all of us women need to support the women that are chosen for those roles. Pray for their wisdom and their courage as the Holy Spirit leads these women through the initial t parts of this transition. Don't be petty. Don't act out out of jealousy. It diminishes how important all of us are as part of the community. You know, there's no small assignment. Not every male or female is going to be selected to preach from the pulpit. But that doesn't diminish the special gifts and skills that each of us have and can contribute to the church community. You know, I often tell my team, or told my team, at Disneyland the story of Waithel Rogers. Now, Waithel Rogers was an Imagineer, a designer who worked with Walt Disney during the time that the Disneyland Park was being built. And so this was a time when big assignments were being given out to our creative partners. There were people who were given the opportunity to design new rides and build new, whole new lands in this park. And Walt Disney came to Waithel and he said, Waithel, your next assignment is you're going to build a nine-inch stick figure whose arms and legs move. 
Now, put yourself in Waithel's spot. Like, how would you feel? You're seeing all of your peers get these big assignments, and you get this little tiny. You're building stick figures. Reality is, everything that Waithel learned and that assignment became the foundation for animatronics around the world. You never know which assignment is going to have the biggest impact. And we need to be as excited about the little assignments as we are about the big assignments. You know, I've had a lot of learnings. Uh, and I mentioned I'm, I'm a change maker. I've been known as a person who created change in organizations. And when I started out my career, I was sort of like, you know, come on, just get on the bus. Let's get going, you know? They've got a change to do. Let's just do it. Get it over with. And then I had probably the most important learning of my entire life in a personal situation when I least expected it. 24 years ago, my husband, who was never sick a day in his life, suddenly became ill, and six months later, he succumbed to cancer. This caused dramatic changes. It was compounded by the fact that the cancer had metastasized in his brain, and when the doctors told him it was terminal, he said, I guess I don't need this stuff anymore, and canceled his medical and life insurance. So there were big changes big challenges, starting with having to sell the house. But I had a list. I always have a list of tasks, and I was checking off the tasks off that list. And my family and friends would say, how are you doing, Mary? I'm doing fine. I got this. But then there was my husband's Jaguar. Now, my husband had this 20-year-old Jaguar and if you're a car buff, you know that those old Jaguars had horrible electrical systems and always were in the shop. He and I had more debates, okay, arguments, about what we were going to spend on repairing that car than anything else in our entire marriage. But when he passed away, I found myself doing all the repairs that we had argued about. I was putting money into something that I didn't need. My kids and I didn't need that car, and I couldn't afford. But I couldn't stop myself. And so one night, I sat down and I prayed. I said, just, you know, God, help me understand what's going on here. Help me to stop this really destructive behavior. And at that moment, he revealed two things to me. First of all, you know, there were a lot of changes in my life, and the car was not the biggest change. Having let that go, that was not the biggest change. But for me, that car represented letting go of my husband, and I was not ready to let him go yet. Now, with that realization, I was able to stop my bad behaviors. But the second revelation was probably the bigger one. And that was, change feels different when you're the creator of change than when you're the recipient of change. And that's because, you know, we don't all know what's going on with everybody else around us. 
I remember thinking, you know, I now understand why what seems a little change to me can be so impactful on people around me. To some of you, the change that you've been talking about is sort of like, this is so long overdue, well, let's just get on with it. Others of you probably feel like, you know, I'm open to this, but I need to dig in the justification more. I need to understand this better. And some of you, this is shaking you to your core. That's okay. That's okay. There are a lot of things contributing to wherever you are because change actually triggers a grieving process. And there are many different phases of the grieving process. And wherever you are in your life is going to help determine where you are in the grieving process when a change comes along. We need to be self-aware. We need to be self-aware of ourselves and our specific situation, and we need to have grace for others who may be in a very different place. Not because they're not good Christians, not because they haven't listened carefully to what Pastor Lance has said, but there are a lot of contributing factors to how they feel in this moment. Change is complicated, but I believe understanding the difference between our Christian heritage and the traditions of who has been at the pulpit and leaning into God the Father who is always so faithful to us and to the new covenant that Jesus brought to this earth and finally to the Holy Spirit, trusting the Holy Spirit that he is guiding your leaders and the whole church community. By doing those three things, it's going to unlock huge potential because it will create an even more inclusive Christian community that's not only going to resonate with those of you who are already members, but it's going to bring new members. It's going to bring those people who have felt like they didn't fit to this very special place. Thank you. Thank you.